This is a podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. Bibles, Acts chapter 16 is where we are heading. When I was um, sort of getting my thoughts together for this message, I'll be honest with you, it sort of started while I was in my garage. I like to call it my workshop. It's a garage. Anyway, in, in in there, I've decided that the floor needed to be painted. Yes, I know. So I took everything out of the garage and I painted the floor. Yeah, impressive. Even put two coats on it for the men amongst us. We will know. It's important, is it not? So otherwise it just comes away. Ladies, we don't know why. We have no idea why. Anyway, but my thoughts started to come together for this because, well, I don't know about you, but there are things that I'm afraid of. One of them is my wife sometimes. Okay, often. I'm often afraid. But there are things that I am afraid of. And I don't know, um, the the reason that it's sort of triggered to my mind is because anybody who does know me at all will know that I have a huge fear of um, eight-legged spiders. Or seven-legged spiders, (laughs) for that matter. Um, And when you're clearing your garage out, well, there are a lot of them. A lot of them. I got scared and everything several times, but I was brave. I was very brave. I can tell that you're not quite there with me just yet. But, you know, it, it was bad. I, I was upset about it, but I managed. Thanks for your care. <laughs> anyway, I want to ask you this question. What are you afraid of? What grips you, answer in your own heart, what grips you so tight that it just will not let go. And I'm not just talking about spiders. I'm talking about the real things in life that take their toll on the day-to-day heart and mind. What are you afraid of? You know, in the Bible study over the last two weeks, we've looked at the book of Esther. Um, we've looked at the book, yes, but we've looked at the person, Esther, and also her older cousin, Mordecai. And it's fair to say that these two characters that are in the Bible, they would have known and would have experienced, as we've seen and understood, some major fear at times. Fear that would grip them. Fear that would put them in a position where they feel like they are helpless. And fear does that to us. But ultimately, as we saw this Wednesday just gone, that they were able to push forward into what God had purposed in their lives. And God willing, over the next few uh, weeks, again in the Bible studies on Wednesdays at 7 p.m., just in case you're unaware that they're on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we're going to have a look at the book of Ruth and the character Ruth. And it's a similar story of fear albeit from a different set of circumstances. That'll be Wednesday at 7 p.m. Sorry, Alistair, just in case you didn't catch me, at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. (laughs) 
Now, you know, this morning we might ping around a little bit in Scripture, but first I want to just have a look at this passage, and this is where we're going to put our anchor down, if you like, in Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 24. Um, And this talks about uh, this Bible character, Paul, which I'm sure you've heard of before, and his companion at the time, who was Silas. And it says, at verse 16 of chapter 16, once... When we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She knew her stuff, didn't she? (laughs) She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Let's hold it there. You see, Paul and Silas are out doing what God's called them to do. Paul's uh, direct words from Jesus was to go and to preach the word of God, to preach salvation to the Gentiles. He was doing what God had called him to do. And Silas is there as his companion, helping him and serving with him in order for them to progress the gospel. But we also know this, don't we? That if you have your head above the parapet, it will get shot at, yeah? And in the, um, the war which happens in the spirit realm, as we do what the, the Lord has called us to do, it doesn't take long before we start getting shot at because the moment that we put ourselves in the firing line, we can be sure that the enemy doesn't like it. And here, Paul and Silas are very much in the firing line, doing what they believe God has called them to do. And the enemy is just ready to have a moment, just to attack just to take their eye off of what they're called to do, just to try and put something in the way. We know that's how he works. We see it in Scripture, and I'm sure we've experienced it in some way in our own lives. And it's fair to say that in these moments, as Paul was doing this poor girl a favour, as she was owned by slave owners who were giving her orders what she should and shouldn't be doing and making a fortune off of her. Paul freed this girl. But in that moment of trying to do something nice, the enemy's pounced on the opportunity and he's used sin in order to get these men now in a position where I can pretty much guarantee that they would be gripped by fear. You know, we don't really have a concept of what's going off here because we don't really understand it because we live in this world that's in cotton wool on an island, just in case you'd forgotten. we, We forget. But the reality is that these men now are stripped and 
beaten. And the Bible says that they suffered a severe flogging. They were beaten, stripped and beaten. And you can imagine, can't you, that all of a sudden, everything that they were on the road to do has now been halted. They're out of control. Everything's out of what seems to be their control. And they are in a moment now where they are thrust before a magistrate. They don't really have a trial at all in any way, shape or form. And they are beaten and then thrown into prison, into the inner cell, and then locked in chains. Now we can understand that they might be a little bit afraid. You know, it's fair to say that we don't have a concept of that. But what we do understand is that every day we are living in this prison of fear in one way or another. Now, you've already had that moment where you've decided in your heart what it is that you're afraid of. And if you've asked yourself the question properly and you've given yourself an honest answer, because I do also believe that you can, well, make it sound fluffier than it is. But if you've been honest with yourself and you found yourself in that position where you realize that, yes, I am afraid of whatever it might be, then the answer, I do think, will probably fall into one of these categories. The first one is that I'm afraid of not having control. The next one is, I am afraid of the unknown. The other one is, I'm afraid of change. It might be that you're afraid of people. It might just be one person. It might be that you're afraid of your security, where your security is and how secure it is. It might be that you are afraid of the health that you have or don't have. We can feel as though these things bind us, almost becoming, if we're not careful, who we are. Have you ever thought about that before? That my fear can start to shape who I am. Fear can rob us of our freedom. Or can it? You see, the truth from the Bible is that we were made to be free. And I, I said to Alistair um, after he'd finished this morning his Breaking a Bread talk that actually this message is almost a prequel to what he talked about this morning. That You see, the Bible tells us that we were made to be free, free from sin, free from darkness, free from shame and death. And you can read that in Genesis chapter 1 through 3. Now, granted, it only lasted a chapter. That was our fault. That's on you and that's on me. It only lasted a chapter, this freedom that God had brought us into. And of course then, because of sin, well, now it's not the case. You see, because sin brought with it the chains that can easily bind us, the chains that wrap us up, the chains of fear that stop us from being able to see what God has called us into and stop us from living, if we're not careful, our God-given purpose. But the Bible also tells us that in Christ, we can find freedom. Now, we may know 
that that is the case. We may know the verses that go along with it. We might even be able to quote those verses. One of my favorite ones, John chapter 8, verse 34 through 36. It'll be up on the screen. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son, capital S look, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You see, the Bible tells me that in Christ, I can find freedom. The Bible tells me that in Christ, I am free. But if you're anything like me, that can bring about a huge disconnect still. Because I know that that's the case. I can quote you the verses, but do I live it? Do you live it? Do we live like we are free? Or are we bound by the prisons that are full of fear that stop us from living how God has called us to live? The question wasn't really, can I find freedom in Christ? Because we know the answer to that. The question is, how? The question is, how? You know, we may have found salvation through him, and I pray that that's the case. But the truth is that we still might be living in fear. Am I right? So how can I stop being so afraid? How can I stop being so afraid of change and circumstances surrounding perhaps my health or people or my security? Back to Acts chapter 16. Verse 25 says this. Remember, Paul, Silas, in prison, in the inner cell, beaten, severely flogged. They would be bleeding. They would be bruised. They would be in a mess. There isn't any band-aids down there. There's no Savlon. It's a mess. They are hurting, they are aching, and they are in absolute pain. And they are in no control. They have no control whatsoever. About midnight, verse 25. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, as I stand here this morning and I read that, I look at that and I think, do you know what? That's incredible. And in my own life, I think the times that I wish I could stand and do that, the times that I wish that I could just take stock and I could go, do you know what? This is bad, but I'm going to sing praise to God. I'm going to worship him and I'm going to pray. You see, are we seeing what's happening in prison? Beaten, bleeding, bruised, in the inner cell, in chains, out of control, no control. Their health is in a mess. Everything has just changed in an absolute instant. They have no idea what's happening now, and they have no idea what's about to happen. Fear is surrounding them on every single front that they look out of. Ever been there? Are you there right now? What do we do? You see, in this moment, I'm pretty sure I could come up with a million things that I would do. Scream for help. Cry. Not too big to cry, you know. I would be sad. I would feel lost. I would feel abandoned. 
I would say, Lord, what's going off here? We're doing your work, and now we're in prison, and we've been beaten, and we've got nothing. Have you left us? What's going off? But in this moment, they decide that the best thing to do is to praise the God that they were outside in the streets bringing praise and worship to. The same thing that they were on the outside of the fear is the same thing they are on the inside of the fear. Do you know this is truth, isn't it? That God does not change. He is the same God on the outside of the fear as he is of the God on the inside of the fear. On the cell that I find myself in, is God there with me? Answer, yes. Oh, he absolutely is. But I have to realize something. Because the Bible points to this and tells us, if we look carefully, that divine power often awaits human initiative. Let, let me just expound on that a little bit. Because the truth is that, as I've said, in these moments, we can come up with a thousand different things that we would be doing in this situation. But divine power will only follow human initiative. And my mind and my heart is created and has been created to worship God. Now, I can decide not to, yeah? You can decide not to. Whatever the situation, even if it's a good day, like a Thursday or something. But even if it's a good day, but on a bad day, it's so much harder to even think about praising God or singing his praise or worship him or praying to him, doing all these things that the Bible says that we should be doing. But the Bible also tells us clearly that if we fix our eyes on Jesus, then things start to become clear because he's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the author and finisher of our faith. So here in this moment, the divine power is going to await this human initiative. And rather than panicking, Rather than worrying, rather than thinking about the situation or circumstance they find themselves in, they pray and they worship and they sing. You know, church, this morning, our freedom is found in Christ, but we have to seek him. You see, we have to praise him. You see, we have to worship him. They chose to bring praise. They chose to seek him in the moment where the opposite made more sense. It still makes more sense to me, even though I've read it and I know what's about to come. It still makes more sense to kick and scream and moan. Probably because I like moaning. But because of their human initiative that said, I have a heart and a mind that is made to worship my God, that they take that decision to do just that. And verse 26 then comes along. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Divine power awaits human initiative. And in this moment, they've made the right decision to give their all to God. And God will always, but always deliver. And you know, in those moments of fear, when we think there's no way out, the chains are on, the cell is deep, the gates are shut, this gate's shut, that gate's shut, the next gate I can see shut, there's a guard in the way, several guards in the way. Are any of these too big for God? I'm, I'm sorry, nobody's even here. Are any of these too big for God? Well, the answer's no, isn't it? 
But how often do we go in our sense and our state and go, he's left us. He's gone, you know. I told you. Job's wife said to him, curse God and die. And Job said, on your bite, love. You see, because in these moments we have decisions to make and we are called to look and to praise and to bring our worship to God. And as Alistair told us this morning, as we, hear, uh, as we heard, that heaven awaits you and me who've put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. You know, today might not be a great day. That prison that we find ourselves in might not just swing wide open. You might find yourself in that prison for a while. But the Bible tells me that God is right there with you. And in those moments, we can choose to focus on the chains and the cell, or we can choose to focus on Jesus. And that's the opportunity that we have, that we have the opportunity to seek out his face. And then everything else will fall into place. We have to trust that God has got it. Human initiative, divine power follows. And the Bible tells us that we need to talk to God. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. And sometimes we might think that's really difficult. But I find it really easy to talk to Lol. And as I'm sure you find it easy to talk to certain people, whether it be a partner or a friend, whatever it might be, we find it really easy to talk to people. And this is the relationship that we're supposed to have with God, that we're in one-to-one -one communication with him all the time. Because if we're not, you see, I, I start forgetting to ask him for things and to be talking things through with him. And things start to become too big and the chains start to go on and the door starts to shut. And I forgot to talk about it to God and I forgot to bring him into the situation and I forgot to tell him about what's happening. The Bible tells us to draw near to God and he will draw near to us. The Bible tells us to seek him. The Bible tells us to worship him. And the truth is that this is how we conquer fear. And this is how we find freedom. My slide this morning, which is fear and freedom, which looks a little bit like this. You see these chains that are almost visible at the bottom. They can be broke by our initiative that says, I am with him and he is with me. I am with him and he is with me. We're going to play a media just a song. It's called No Longer Slaves. It's one of my favorite. And let's listen, and let's worship, and let's enjoy. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemy. Till all my fears have come I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear 
Heavenly Father, may that be our declaration this morning, that we're no longer slaves to fear, but Father, we might realize that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Father, may you just help us to understand and to grasp that you love us, that you care for us, that you want the best for us. And Father, in the moments where we feel like we're surrounded, may we uh, come to you, may we seek your face, may we bring our praise and our worship to you. And may we know, Lord God, that as we've stepped out, that you will be right there with us. Father, just help us and strengthen us over these coming weeks, we pray. And we just thank you, Lord, that we've been able to gather together in this way as just a small part of your church to bring praise and worship together collectively. And Father, as we go out into the week ahead, we just ask, Lord God, that you will help us to keep focused on you, to keep our eyes fixed upon you. Father, to look into your word, to learn and to grow. And Lord, that you'll just continue to shape us and to mold us into what you want us to be. And we can live out your purpose in our lives. Father, we just praise your name this morning. We lift your name high and we thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. In your son's precious name, amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.